0: Good morning, how are we doing? Good, 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 that's awesome. Great to see you this morning. Uh, we are in week 14 uh, at the book of Revelation. Uh, we are in chapter uh, 13. And so this is a chapter uh, about counterfeit gods, a-, a counterfeit faith, and counterfeit worship. This chapter talks about the beast. Uh, It's a chapter that talks about the the mark that everyone gets for for buying and and selling. This is the chapter that has uh, the number 666 in it. This is the one you've been waiting for. (laughs) This is what all the talk is about. Uh, This is where, you know, books are written. You know, the whole... Deal come from this chapter. But before we get to those details, I just want to remind us uh, that the book of uh, Revelation is a book about worshiping God. And we started by looking at at, at how it begins with worship and how it has these songs throughout to remind us that our worship uh, of God is what keeps our, our focus in the world. But Revelation 13, Revelation 13 is about false worship. It's about worshiping Satan. Last week in chapter 12, we saw the overall influence of evil in the world and answer the question, why is there evil in the world? And we realized it was because Satan is real. And, and, and we saw that, that, that God would not be defeated and that every victory has a battle that, that goes along with it. And this week in chapter 13, we're going to look at some of the details about some of that evil in the world. And there are a lot of questions that this chapter brings up. And so we're going to look at God's word and we're going to go through it. and We're going to try to answer those questions. So, so as we begin to drill down into the details, uh, I want us to realize something that we looked at a few weeks ago. Uh, if there's one thing that, that, that I think you need to carry away from this study, it would be this, is to understand the difference between prophetic revelation, that which God has said, uh, that, that is found in the Word, the Bible. Can't find what God said about it anywhere else. And then there's prophetic interpretation, which is the historic, broad-held positions about what God has said. And let me say this. If somebody comes up with something brand new, they have like the new idea about the book of Revelation. Then let me just tell you, they're flat-out wrong. All right? That's so why God has given us 2,000 plus years of Christian history so we can rely on each other, we can depend on each other and the positions that we'll look at, some of them this morning, as well as we'll see what these numbers mean and, and the beast number one and beast number two. We'll look at all of that. And then the third thing is prophetic speculation, those personal ideas about present possibilities. I think the, the beast is, or I think the number 666 means, right? And the problem is, is that many times speculations don't come out of the text. They come out of somebody trying to make something say something that maybe it's not. So as we look at Revelation chapter 13 today, we clearly see that it talks about these two beasts, a beast out of the sea and a beast out of the earth. So so we're going to work hard this morning at at looking at what the word of God has to say and get to the bottom of some of these interpretation questions. And my hope is is that we're going to leave today at the end of this study knowing knowing God's word a little bit better, deeper. You're giving us a greater hope and a greater confidence in our future. So so go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program this morning. You can follow along with me. Turn in your Bibles today to Revelation chapter 13. If you're using a rack Bible, it's on page 1035. So so we'll look at the beast out of the sea first uh the first 10 verses uh of chapter 13. Uh I'm going to read to you and then I'm going to come back and try to unpack uh some of this passage for you. So verse 1 says this and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns, seven heads and with 10 diadems on uh, its horns and blasphemous names on its head and the beast that I saw is like a leopard. Its feet were, were, were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And, and to it, the dragon gave his power, his throne and great authority. One of its heads seems to have a, a mortal wound and, and its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. They worshiped the dragon. For he had given his authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. It was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, and that is those who dwell in heaven. And also it is allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. The authority was given it over every tribe and people, language, and nation. And all who dwell on earth uh, will worship it. And everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world, the book of life of the Lamb who, who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. And if anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword, must he be slain? And here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints and so first, we see this this beast out of the sea, and what does all these descriptions mean? And we see one of the beast 's head has a fatal wound, and, and then this authority has been given to this beast, and in this chapter, we see once again a 42-month or a a three-and-a-half-year period of time. What's that all about? Well, first, let's look at the descriptions of this beast. So so one of the descriptions say he rises out of the sea, and he has ten horns, seven heads, and ten crowns. And, And so if you just kind of picture that in your mind, how lovely is that? Right, Any creature with seven heads would be difficult to kill, right? But if one was wounded, six would still remain. And and we have this imagery of horns express uh, strength and power. That's kind of what those are talking about. A bull with two horns is a powerful creature, but a beast with ten? How much more power, right? Just like the dragon of Revelation 12. The, the, this is a, a likeness to Satan. Just, just one of the things that identifies this beast with the one that's known as the Antichrist. So beast number one is known as the Antichrist. And the word Antichrist only appears in the Bible five times, four verses, right? First John 2.18, 2, 1 7, first John 2.22, 1 John 4.3, 2 John uh, 1.7, 1 John 2.18 again. And we understand what Antichrist means, right? The prefix anti- means the opposite of or instead of. Right? The Antichrist is either opposite of Jesus or he's the instead of Jesus. And most people have focused on this idea of, of being the opposite of Jesus that that makes them think that the Antichrist will appear as a supremely evil person. As much as Jesus went around doing good, then the Antichrist will go around doing bad. As much as Jesus' character and personality was attractive, then the Antichrist's character and personality will be ugly and repulsive. As much as Jesus spoke only of the truth, then the Antichrist will speak only lies. Right? It emphasizes this idea of opposite of Jesus. But what if the Antichrist instead will be more of a instead of Jesus? Right? Well, what if he's going to look wonderful and be likable and successful? Well, what if he's going to be like the ultimate winner and appear as an angel of light? In the sense of the Antichrist will be a what a satanic Messiah and instead of the Messiah uh, of Jesus Christ. And in First John 2:18, John also speaks of the Antichrist and many Christ. Well, like there's a spirit of Antichrist, and this spirit of Antichrist will one day find its ultimate fulfillment in the Antichrist. Who will lead humanity in the end times to rebellion against God? In other words, through the world still waits to see the ultimate revelation of the Antichrist, and what we have are these little previews of what is to come. And then it says in the verse of end uh, at the end of verse one, and on its head was a blasphemous name. So the seven heads of the beast each advertise blasphemy against God. And this speaks more of than just the beast's message. It speaks of his character. He is a blasphemer who speaks against God as Daniel 7.25 says. And then it says that he resembles a leopard and a bear and a lion. And the lion communicates arrogance. The bear controls extensively and the leopard conquers swiftly and since the beast of daniel 7 represented empires more than specific men some have thought that this beast of revelation 13 is not a person but rather a a government or a cultural system but others see this beast as a, a person specifically the antichrist this final satanic dictator who leads the world in rebellion against God. And, and, and I guess I would fall into this, this, this category here. David Hawking would combine the approaches and say that the beast is a modern world government. But, but the one head has ten horns. is specifically the Antichrist. And the leader of the beast of this final satanic dictatorship. Now, that's how he would... Approach this, but but with any empire, especially brief empires, the government is almost totally defined with the ruler. When we think of Germany in the 1930s and forties, and the figures of Hitler as this individual right Nazi Germany as a state where uh, and and the state were virtually the same, and to me, all of the indications of Revelation 13 are, is that this beast is a, a man, a human individual, though he's closely identified with, with this world-dominating government. And verse 3, says on one of its heads, he had a fatal wound. And, and it was healed as the world was in amazement, and they followed this beast. And so this head wound, this mortal wound, is not a superficial injury. And the recovery of the beast increases his fame and and increases his authority. We we see twice later in Revelation 13, 12 and 13, 14, this recovery is mentioned in connection to the world that will worship and give all their devotion uh, to the Antichrist. So what kind of a ruler is this Antichrist? Well, I think he's going to be a political leader that rules through intimidation. And the world will be amazed at the power of the Antichrist and and will believe that he is so mighty that he cannot be conquered. And for a time, this Antichrist will look like a tremendous winner. And when he blasphemes the name of Jesus and he persecutes God's people, they're going to appear to be like losers, right? But that's just for a short period of time. And people will come and they'll worship the beast and the dragon behind the beast. And it'll be simply because of his might. They'll worship uh, of the devil and the devil's agent is justified purely on the ground of, of brute force. And then in verses 5 through 8, we see the actions of the beast, right? First, he was given a mouth to utter blasphemy, For 42 months. And so he is a blasphemer. right? Maybe a more accurate title than Antichrist for this end times dictator. As much as anything, this Antichrist, this man who speaks against God and everything that God stands for. He will speak against his name. He will speak against his tabernacle. uh, He will speak against those who dwell in heaven. Right? You really can call him like Mr. Big Mouth if you want to put a name to it. And this Antichrist, without restraint by God for a period of 42 months, the the familiar three and a a half years, the duration of this period of time shows that the beast has full reign for this first half of these final seven years. And during that time, understand that that God still has authority, right? Like, Like he's not like just doing... Well, what, I mean, he is doing whatever, but God has a plan in all of this. And so, why does the Antichrist blaspheme those that dwell in heaven? Well, this means that he, he speaks against those who I believe were taken up in the rapture, those that are therefore out of his reach. And then, secondly, he was given the power to make war against the saints. Revelation 12 described this broad. Phenomenon of, of satanic persecution during the tribulation period. And, and here the main instrument of that persecution is revealed. The, the government of the beast will prosecute and they will uh, or, or they'll persecute and they'll kill those that do not bow down in worship to the beast. And And overcome does not mean that the beast can overcome the faith of the saints but he can destroy what? Their physical lives. And so who are these saints who are overcome by the beast? Well, various views of the timing of the rapture. We've talked about this before. Determine who these that are persecuted are. All right, so those that, that hold to a pre-tribulational rapture. Believe that these saints are, are, are God's people who come to Christ after the church has been raptured. These would be the tribulation Saints. And then those that believe in a post-tribulation rapture believe that these saints are God's people who are on the earth before the final rapture, including of what we think of today is kind of like the church. Right? So you can work all that out in your own minds. Do the study. Figure out what position you hold to. And then in verse 8, the final world dictator will demand and receive worship from the whole earth. But those that worship them realize this, they pay a price, right? They are the ones whose names have not been written in the book of life, right? The book of life contains the names of all God's redeemed in chapter 20 of this book, the idea is that worshiping the beast and, and having your name in the book of life are mutually exclusive. You, you cannot worship the beast and go to heaven. Can't happen. Right? These who worship the beast realize, understand, they are lost for all eternity. And the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. This is a deeply meaningful title for Jesus. And it reminds us that God's plan for redemption was set in place. Even before the the created human beings were were created and and God knew who would be redeemed. And God wasn't surprised by the fall of Adam or any other uh, evidence of the fallen nature of man. And God's not like making it up as He goes along, right? It's all going according to plan. God the Son had a relationship of love and fellowship with God the Father before the foundation of the world, John 17. The work of Jesus was ordained before the foundation of the world, 1 Peter 1. God chose His redeemed before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1. Names are written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. Revelation 17. The kingdom of heaven was prepared for the redeemed before the foundation of the world in Matthew 25. And then thirdly, he was given authority over every nation. And yet the world's response is that they still will worship the beast. It's incredible, isn't it? And then we go to verses 9 and 10. And we have a warning to everyone. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. This means that the official duties of the beast are not without guilt. And and though these things are prophesied, And part of God's predetermined plan, it doesn't lessen in the slightest way our own personal responsibility. If you work for the beast and lead others into captivity, you certainly shall go into captivity yourself. And God will measure up to you what you've measured to others. And this may have a secondary or an additional meaning to it. There is no hope in fighting against the Antichrist. The only way of victory is steadfast faith and endurance in Jesus Christ. For the beast that rules through intimidation, believers need patience, endurance, and faithfulness. And though they are viciously attacked by the Antichrist and his followers, the saints of God must keep steadfast faith in the ultimate justice of God. So, so that's the first beast, the Antichrist. You, 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 if that's not enough, you ready for the second one? All right, there, there's another one, the beast out of the earth. When we see this in verses 11 through 18. It says, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon, and it exercises all authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people, and by the signs that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived and it allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So so this beast's description is one, first of all, is one that has two horns, like a lamb, and two, he speaks uh, like a dragon. So, so this creature represents someone like the beast rising from the sea, because the same word beast is used to describe them both. But, but at the same time, this beast is, is different right they're they're different in origin because one comes out of the sea the other out of the earth that they're different in rank because the second is subordinate to the first in verse 12 that they're different in appearance because the second has this mild lamb-like kind of appearance and the two horns may express the fact that this beast has authority in two realms such as religious and political authority or it might be just two horns simply because that's how many horns lambs have. All right? And then we know he spoke like a dragon. So so despite this lamb-like appearance, the, the message of the second beast is the same as the message of the first beast. And the second beast is called the false Prophet in revelation sixteen thirteen revelation nineteen twenty and twenty ten so so this false prophet is someone distinct from the first from the Antichrist and distinct from the dragon who we know is Satan. This is a spiritual leader that rules through deception and with the dragon, the beast rising from the sea. And the beast rising from the earth. And some actually believe that what we have here is a satanic trinity. Right? The dragon is the anti-father. The beast rising from the sea is the anti-Christ. And the beast rising from the earth is the anti-Holy Spirit. I'm not going to make a big deal about that. But I think it's kind of interesting. And so what are the actions of this beast, this false prophet? Well, first he will exercise authority uh, of the first beast in verse 12. The beast rising from the earth is essentially a satanic prophet who leads the world into worship of the beast and the dragon. And it may seem amazing to us that the world would be led into a, a worship of a man and of the devil. But you know what? By nature... Men, mankind, have an undeniable religious impulse. They also have an undeniable rebellion against God. And what they want most is is not the elimination of religion. What they want most is what? Their own religion. Well, what they want most is their own kingdom. And they don't want God to be involved in their kingdom. And then secondly, we see this false prophet will perform miraculous signs. And a specific miracle of the false prophet is stated here in verse 13. He makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of people. Right? It's important that John highlights this miracle. In the eyes of the deceived world, it answers the miracle of the two witnesses. Who minister during this period of time and are persecuted by the Antichrist and the false prophet that we saw in Revelation 11. Right To the deceived world, this also puts this false prophet in the class of Elijah, right? Remember, First Kings 18. You, you can just imagine this false prophet looking out in the world and saying this, "Let the true God answer with fire and then performing his deceptive miracle." And then thirdly, he orders people to set up an image of the first beast. And this beast rising from the earth will use a deceptive animated image as the focus point of the worship of the beast or of the Antichrist. And it kind of seems strange to us to have the whole world give this kind of worship to the image of the Antichrist. But really all we have to do is remember Soviet Union or Germany and their pictures of, of Stalin and Hitler and we just kind of see a pattern, right? That will be ultimately fulfilled by the Antichrist. And the image of the beast is animated in some way. Like I said before, it has breath and it can speak. And, and whether the image is animated supernaturally or technologically, either way, the result's going to be pretty Impressive. You'll remember the psalmist mock idol worshipers because the idols of the heathen are silver and gold and the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes, but they see not in Psalms 135. But this image, this image of the Antichrist here, it's a different kind of idol. Because this image of the Antichrist will both speak and cause many as would not worship the image of the Antichrist to be killed. Right? This idolatrous image is what Jesus and Daniel and Paul spoke of as the abomination of desolation in Daniel 9, Matthew 24, and 2 Thessalonians 2. It is an idolatrous image set up in the holy place of a rebuilt temple. It is the abomination in the sense of being supreme idolatry. And it is desolation in the sense that it will bring judgment They're described by the seals and the judgments and the bulls. And then the fourth action of the beast, this false prophet, is that he will order everyone to receive a mark. And without the mark, no one will be able to participate in the economy. No one will be able to buy or sell, except for those that have the mark of his name. And so what is this mark going to be, right? That's the big question. Everybody wants to know, what is the mark of the beast? Is it an insertable chip that's embedded in the forehead or in our hand? Is it RFID, right? Radio frequency identification, right? That uses electromagnetic fields to automatically identify and track. Is that it? Maybe it's barcodes. There's a whole theory on barcodes. Uh, let me say this this morning. I do believe to receive the mark of the beast, you will have to agree to worship the beast. Well, like you can't like accidentally receive the mark. Like, whoops. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> right? You're going to have to choose. So so how do you defeat the beast? For for this beast rules through deception and believers need what the Bible tells us in Revelation 13, 18. We need wisdom. For intimidation, you have faithfulness and endurance. For deception, you have wisdom. And this chapter is all about the great counterfeit. There, There are The two beasts are are satanic imitations, which are presented with a false Christ and a false John the Baptist who promotes the false Christ. Because let's face it, Satan can't create, right? But he can effectively deceive with imitation. What we see, as I said earlier, is this counterfeit trinity In Revelation 17, 8, it talks about an unholy trinity. It says, the beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will go to his destruction. That's his story. Remember the story of God back in Revelation 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and what? Is to come. Right? There's a difference. One was and now is not and will be destroyed. The other is and is, or was and is and is to come. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to follow one or the other, I'm going with the true living God. I'm going with the one that's got a future. And then it talks about a counterfeit resurrection. And you have a counterfeit worship. We've looked at that over and over again. worshiping the false God. And then you have in this chapter a counterfeit rule where Satan is setting himself up as ruler of the world. And then you have counterfeit miracles. You know, when Jesus came, he worked miracles. And when this ruler comes, the Antichrist, he will work miracles as well, except for his will be counterfeit. They'll be done by the the power of evil, not not by the power of God. But, But they will be there. And finally, you have this counterfeit mark. Remember, this mark of the beast is is a counterfeit mark, right? Because God puts on his people a sign and a seal. But this one, this one is a counterfeit. It's a fake. It's a knockoff. Verse 18 says, Let the one who has an understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. 666. Part, this part of the verse 18 has caused more speculation than any other verse in Revelation, probably the whole Bible, right? Who, who is the Antichrist? People read, calculate the number. So they get their calculators out and they go to it, right? They take Roman numerals and Greek ones and American numerals and Hebrew numerals, anything to come up with the right number on who they want to be the Antichrist, And over the years, you've heard the names, you know, that have been thrown out. Got to be Hitler, or got to be Kissinger, or Gorbachev, right? Or pick a pope. How about Ronald Wilson Reagan, right? Six letters in each name, got to be that. People spend hours trying to think this stuff up. So I want you to know this morning, I've got it all worked out for you. Okay, you ready for this? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Antichrist, it's Mickey Mouse. Right? Take the name Walt Disney, 10 plus 10 letters in Donald Duck equals 20, plus the 101 Dalmatians, 121, minus the seven dwarfs, 114, minus the three ugly stepsisters, 111, times the numbers in Mickey equals 666. Boom, that's it. Right there. Why did I just do that? I wanted to prove to you an old computer program saying. That is, if you torture the data enough, it will confess to anything. So that's what they do. They take all this stuff and they make the name longer and one shorter and voila, it, it all adds up to 666. And and what does it mean? The Bible says what it calls for, wisdom. Well, well, what does that mean? I I don't know. I don't have enough wisdom to figure it out. And smart people over the last 2,000 plus years haven't figured it out either. I do want, know one thing that it means. And if you miss this, you've missed the, the the main point. The Bible tells us it calls for wisdom. And then it says it is a number of a man. And most of us think of a number as a certain individual. But thats I don't think that's exactly it. Man's number means man's number. Like 777 is, is God, right? It's the perfect number. Six is one short of perfection. So six is the number that, that indicates man in that day. This is saying that this is not some spiritual ruler. This is not God himself coming back to earth. This is a person, a man, who is going to be used in a horrible way. Or maybe the number 666 refers back to Solomon's wages. In 1 Kings 10.14, it says that Solomon received yearly 666 talents of gold. And so perhaps... This suggests that the Antichrist, like Solomon, is a good man that becomes corrupted. At any rate, this evil trinity, this evil 666 that imitates the Holy Trinity, is counterfeit. It's a great passage of scripture here. And although things get difficult, they never get so difficult that we cannot have victory. Although things get dark, they never get so dark that we can't see the light. And although life, and I get it, even life now, gets very hard sometimes. It never gets so hard that we cannot see the reality of God's love for us. His love for us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to save us for our sin. And I got to tell you this morning that that's the good news. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. And Father, one of the things that I I just love about the word of God is how honest it is. Because if I had my way, God, I'd just like pretend everything was okay. But, But what a lie that would be. Because we know, God, that there is darkness in our world. There is evil in our world. But but this passage, these verses this morning remind us that no matter how dark it gets, you are the light that we need. You are the life that we need. So, God, we turn to you today. Father, I know that there are some that are here even this morning that are facing some pretty difficult and dark times in their lives. They might even feel under attack, God, and they, they wonder where the, the hope is going to come from. And so, and so I pray this morning that, that through looking at the future and ultimately, God, you give us nothing but hope. And so I pray that, that as we study this book, that it would help us to see the hope That we have in our lives. And I pray that we would. Rely on you God. In in just a fresh new way today. So we want to thank you this morning. And God I admit that I'm weak. But God I know that you are strong. And because of that. Father we can have victory. And we have victory in Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.